Welcome to the Community Corner, the podcast powered by Bevy. I'm your host, Beth McIntyre. In this show, I interview community builders from all spaces in the industry. Stay tuned for actionable strategies to learn and community stories to love, all in 15 minutes. I'm excited to have my next guest, Jenny Lee Fowler, who is the Director of Social Media Strategy at MIT. Today, Jenny and I talk about the specific challenges that come with building community at an educational institution. Jenny shares how her team at MIT thinks about community and social media and how they are adapting to changes in technology and the industry. Welcome to the Community Corner, Jenny. It's such a pleasure to have you with me today. Beth, thank you so much for inviting me here. Let's dive right in. Can you describe what MIT is and what you do in your role? Absolutely. So MIT is one of the leading universities in the world. We are a global leader in science, research, technology, and education. And in my role, I am in the Central Office of Communications for the Institute, and I do everything social (laughs) from the central office level. So um, I provide consultation and strategy that has to do with any announcements or events or campaigns from the institute level. And I also directly manage a lot of the flagship social media channels. Okay, right on. And how did you find yourself here? (laughs) Because we hear a lot of unconventional career paths in the industry. And I feel like, you know, director of social media strategy at MIT was probably not on your career aptitude test in grade eight. (laughs) No, (laughs) social media wasn't really even a thing, right? When I was coming up in um, grade school. Right. So I studied broadcast journalism because I wanted to be a TV anchor and reporter. And right out of college, that's what I did. And I did that for almost 10 years when I think, you know, I had one of those moments where it was like I was not the same person and the industry was changing and I really had to make some hard decisions about what I wanted to do moving forward. And so I left the industry, which was really, really difficult because I, I thought I would die on an anchor desk. I thought I would take my last breath on an anchor desk. But I ended up, there was a Fortune 50 insurance company that was headquartered in the market where I was a reporter. And they wanted to launch an internal sort of newscast and they needed someone to produce an anchor it. And it was just sort of the right fit at the right time. So that was sort of my in into a job that was not on TV. And from there, I just kind of went exploring on what, you know, made me tick or what I really liked to do. And so they ended up giving me this little portion of, you know, they had an expansive digital properties and they gave, put me in charge of this really, really small page that I don't, I'm pretty sure till this day that they didn't care about because they let me just do what I want. And apparently I didn't do a bad job because they didn't give it, you know, take it away from me. But that's when I really explored, I started exploring blogs and really got into what, you know, digital content and the back and forth of like in comments. And and it was, you know, it's all mild and healthy at that time. And I really started exploring that and getting into, you know, the back end of websites. And I really sort of fell in love with it and said, there's something here. Then fast forward, so I don't know how, but somewhat somehow like Harvard Kennedy School said, yes, we'd like you to work for us. And I was straddling at that time, I was straddling digital editorial 
side, like um, being the editor of the website and social media. And at that point, I thought, you know, the social media, I think I wouldn't mind doing it 100% of the time. And then this um, job opened when I wasn't looking and, and here I am doing social media full time for MIT. Mm-hmm. Not that we all have traditional paths, but it mine zigzags quite a bit. Definitely. I think that that's kind of the the one thing a lot of community professionals have in common is that none of our paths are the same because there isn't yet degree of community management that we all take and then move into this role. So it's always fun hearing where people come from and that zigzag. So thank you. Speaking of social media management, we sometimes talk about social media management and community management interchangeably, but I would love to hear from you, what makes social media management different? So for me, I view social media management as the management of content and you're optimizing it for whichever channel that you're posting that piece of content in. So you're really handling content. Community management is you're, is sort of, you're building cohesive bonds within people, right? So you're helping to, you know, you're kind of a conductor in what potentially may be a social media platform to provide a space for, you know, people to find people, you know, and for people to grow. And it really is, it's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that it's content versus the like relationships almost because social media management does feel like more of a an audience, you know, your community, I wouldn't call my community my audience, but social media has an audience community has members. So I like right. what you say about that. That's yeah, I agree with that 100%. Cool. So you're steeped in the higher education world. And I'll say, I'll be the first to admit, sometimes I feel like educational institutions are kind of behind the times. (laughs) You can tell me if I'm wrong, (laughs) but how do you think higher education as a whole will evolve? Specifically, well, I mean, community itself is pretty new. So how do you think higher education will adopt this idea of community? So I love this question. And one, I love higher ed, but I do feel like when it comes to adopting new innovative strategies or technologies, or I, f- I feel like it takes us a little longer to get there. And so, you know, and I, yeah, I'm totally in agreement. So a lot of times, although I love my higher ed conferences, I love my higher ed networking colleagues, I'll always make a point to at least you know, every every year or every other year, attend a conference outside of higher ed that's more within industry, because that's where I find the real, you know, fresh, innovative thinking or, you know, the new ideas that I try to translate into what I'm doing if it, if it works. But anyhow, I totally agree with you. I'm glad that you touched on that because I think it's really important. And I also just want to say, I love that you go to a different conference every year because I... You know, there's so much software out there. There's so much software out there that education and and universities should be using, but that fear or that hesitation is very real. So it's really refreshing to hear that you are actively taking steps towards changing that, at least for MIT. Okay, the original question was just about that adaptation. How does higher education evolve and how can they 
evolve with the community and even talk of everything new, like metaverse and NFTs and all of this new Web 3.0 stuff. Yeah, that's right. It's community, right? So, you know, I would I would say that we really had to, I mean, March of 2020, especially in higher ed, we literally were all sent home. We said we cannot populate campuses anymore. We all have to go home and start working. And, we, and, and I know everyone was in the same boat. We were trying to figure it out. But I think that really made us take a look at what are we doing to affirm our community and for our people. I mean, now that we're not in the same space, we're all in different, like, how are we using our platforms to um, make sure our community still feels connected with us and that they're still, how do we still engage with them? And man, that was like, that was like, we had to like press a button, right? So I would say that that is first and foremost, you know, I would almost everything almost everything became internal communications. Like I'm in social, social media, but man, like I feel like so much of my job has become internal communications in the past couple of years, especially, I mean, yes, the past couple of years. And, you know, social of course helps with that because we do a lot of social listening and tone and voice, like we take into all of that consideration in, in crafting these messages. But also we were, forced to think of how do we take these very external um, channels and use them to reach an internal audience, right? So like we had to like think in new terms, really sort of flip our uses of these social media um, channels. And it was all geared toward solidifying community and or just really kind of speaking to our community. And that became super, super important. As far as, okay, so as far as like Metaverse Web 3.0, I mean, I see a lot of the chatter. It definitely is on my radar. I don't know that there's a lot of higher ed emphasis in these spaces. I think we're just right now, it's just, we're just trying to figure out like, how do we contain COVID? <laughs> I mean, not that we're going to contain <laughs> COVID, but it's like everything is COVID, COVID, COVID right now. But I will say just because, like I said, I, I, you know, like to think about these possibilities and like to think about in these spaces. I think what's really interesting to me, especially with the metaverse, is, you know, there's a lot of clubs in, you know, Facebook started on a college campus, right? Any Anyone with a harvard.edu was welcome to join Facebook. And then, you know, sort of, I wouldn't say that exclusivity, but just because you had more chance of like reaching... Um, meeting more college students in that space as they broaden that network, I think really helped Facebook grow to what it is today, right? Now, I will be the first to say that Facebook is not my favorite platform um, personally, but if I were on the inside, I would say that there's a huge metaverse, there's a huge opportunity with the metaverse to go back to their roots of being on college campuses to grow within sort of that college network organically. And um, I think the huge opportunity with like, with, you know, the metaverse is that there are so many clubs, I think that could, there the experience could be amazing on that platform. So for instance, like, I just looked this up before talking to you, but there are more than 100 college or universities within the US that have Quidditch clubs the Quidditch, right? They have Quidditch teams and they play against each other. But, and this is Quidditch, like born out of Harry Potter, right? 
So think if you had the gear and you played Quidditch in the metaverse against other clubs that maybe you wouldn't have to travel to find as much or, or, you know, travel, but you can just meet in the metaverse to have a match. Can you imagine that experience? I think there's a lot of possibilities there, especially, or, you know, if you're trying to do research with like the next Mars Rover with another team on a different campus. Like, I just think that like, there's a lot of possibilities on within student groups on campuses, I think. NFTs are interesting because I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, right? Because you can, there's so many talented students that are, that you could make their artwork into NFTs. But then there's the whole question of like, are you profiting off of stuff? I mean, that, that's a whole sticky area. But I do feel like maybe there's potential with like alumni groups, right? So say your resource development or your alumni association is always doing funding for your school you know, annual funds or so maybe, you know, as a gift to alumni who like, who make a certain donation, maybe they can give them an NFT created by an, an MIT, like a current student, an MIT student. I just think that's sort of thinking outside the box a little bit, right? right? Rather than sort of a letter. Yeah. You know, what the traditional avenues do. I mean, the possibilities are, gosh, there are so many possibilities. When will we get there? Oh, Beth, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> I mean, because I mean, to tell you, like, to tell you the truth, I think it's scary. Web 3.0. I'm all for a creative, a creator economy. I love that idea. But I know it's hard. It's hard to wrap your brain around. But I, you know, I do encourage. So what, what I'm trying to do is just, I attended a lot of sessions on, you know, there people offer free Twitter space chats and, and free sessions on, you know, NFTs and Web 3.0. And I've, I've gone to about three or four of them. And I'm just really trying to familiarize myself with the language because the language is so different, right? Because it's like they've got gas prices and they've got ETH and Ethereum and now there are DAOs and, you know, and you need a wallet. And I think the first thing to do is like really familiarize yourself with the language and learning what just the glossary of what what everything means. And then maybe the second step might be to try, you know, try to kind of really play in those spaces. But it's also hard because like someone that's more traditional like me, like if I have $400, I'm like, do I buy Ethereum or do I put it in my kid's college fund? You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> but but then you could think like, oh, well, the, the Ethereum could eventually pay for college later. But it's just, it's hard to, when you have the cash, <laughs> it's hard It's hard to um, wrap your brain around. But I think it's, if you work in the social or digital space, I think it's really important to at least be familiar with the language, right? And what everything sort of is itself. I feel like I went on <laughs> a little bit, but I hope. <laughs> but you know, it kind of sparks another question, actually, just because you got super passionate and super excited just then. And you went on, but it was exciting. And I can see there's so many possibilities and you get really excited about these possibilities. So it made me think about the very real reality of when we get excited about things at work or ideas that we have for programs and projects. And then those possibilities are I guess, crushed, for lack of a better term, by <laughs> the reality of budget or institution or the company not willing to evolve or adapt something new. Do you have like some quick advice for community professionals or anybody in general who like finds themselves so excited about a possibility and wants to talk to their executive team about 
being more adaptable? Sure. I mean, this is a constant struggle and especially like social media managers, I feel like are always doing education, right? We always have to be, yeah, be explaining things, educating things, why or why not. I think in that case, it's very tempting to want to put this beautiful, maybe PowerPoint presentation or presentation together and get everyone, you know, how do you get all of the key players into the room, you know, and, and just present your big idea. But I would say really start incrementally and have conversations with people casually and really find out who your allies are. Right. And so like find the next person who's excited about this and then they might give you some more advice on who else to talk to. Right. So then if you have someone like, say, like the NFT idea, maybe I talk to, you know, a colleague that I'm close with in alumni or resource development and we kind of talk and she might say, you know, this is good, but I could see it working this way and not this way, or I like this idea. And so you start really fine tuning your idea with every discussion you have. And so, and then maybe, and then, you know, maybe you talk with an art teacher and see if there's, it's possible for, like, I think there's a lot of small conversations that you have to have and know who your allies are. And then maybe you can present a more, you know, complete, you know, proposal. And say, you know, I've talked to so-and-so, 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 so-and-so. This is kind of what we're thinking. If we always use we, it's better than I, right? (laughs) Yeah. So Mm -hmm. here's what we're thinking. And just kind of just to always start small, you know, because you have to explain things too. Like you don't have, you can't assume that your audience or the person you're talking to is going to know what NFTs are, right? And you don't want to assume because you'll alienate them immediately. So there's just a lot of like, from scratch, from scratch, explaining to do. So I would say, know who your allies are, start small, always explain, explain everything, don't assume and be patient, I think. That's great advice. We don't have any limits on the community corner except for our time limit. So we've come to my last question, which of course is the question I ask all my guests, who is a community builder you would love to grab lunch with? Now, you know, the OG, I, well, in my book, the OG of community building, Christina Garnett, who's currently at HubSpot. So we are friendly. We do know each other. She's, I, I, the, I would consider her a friend, but I've never met her in person. And just to like the thought of having lunch with her makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing, Jenny. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so nice to have you. This has just been a really fun conversation, Beth. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was great. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about how to create your own community, go to pod.bevy.com. That's pod.bevy.com. This is the Community Corner, and I'm Beth McIntyre. <laughs>